Going Linux, episode 342. Listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will help you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail line is 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. No build today, so I'll jump right in. Serge provided a few Skype replacement suggestions for Daniel. Serge wrote, Hello, for Skype, there are several good suggestions for its replacement. First, Jitsi, J-I-T-S-I. Then, Framatalk, F-R-A-M-A-T-A-L-K. Qtalks, Q-T-O-X. Appear.in, A-P-P-E-A-R dot I-N, Hubble.in, H-U-B-L dot I-N, Zoom, Wire, and Ring. And we'll have links to each and every one of those in our show notes. Serge continues, so I think Daniel should find his happiness with one of those Skype replacements. As usual, best regards, Serge. Thanks, Serge, and thanks for the long list. Some of those I had heard about, others I had no idea existed. So we'll take a look at the websites, if nothing else, and maybe we'll try one or two of them out if they they look promising. I tried Jitsi probably, oh, must be 10 years ago now. <laughs> maybe not quite that long ago, but uh, uh, I had forgotten about it. It's definitely one that I had looked at, though. Jim reported that our podcast isn't downloading for him. Hi guys, just to let you know, I am unable to download your podcast over the mobile network. Downloads fine on Wi-Fi. Also, other podcasts download fine on mobile and Wi-Fi. I'm using AntennaPod. Hope this is helpful information. Jim. Well, Jim, uh, I was going to say something about the fact that our MP3 tagging software, and it doesn't do just MP3s, but also does OGs and so on, was giving us trouble with the OG file. Uh, I use EasyTag for that, and the latest version corrupts OG files for some reason. Um, not that they won't play on my local computer, but when I put them in the Internet Archive where we host our files, Somehow it gets corrupted on transfer, and I have had to go back to version 2.4.2 of EasyTag in order to ensure that it comes out okay, because if I go to the latest version, um, that causes a problem. Anyway, it turns out that for some reason on my Ubuntu Mate 17.10 installation, 
even when I tell the Synaptic Package Manager to lock in the version at 2.4.2, it automatically tries to upgrade every single time to 2.4.3. And sometimes I don't catch that. And if I go and put the tags on the file, the AUG file becomes corrupted and I have to go and replace the file with one that is re-tagged and reposted. And anyway, that's what happened a couple of episodes ago. And I see that EasyTag has reverted back to 2.4.3 and I'm going to have to uh, reinstall the older version before tagging the files before I put up this episode. Anyway, it really doesn't seem to apply in this case because you're using AntennaPod and yet sometimes it works on the phone, sometimes it works uh, only on Wi-Fi. It's seems like an antenna pod issue. And without knowing whether you've subscribed to the AUG feed or the MP3 feed, I don't know whether it's something with antenna pod or whether you're experiencing the problem I just described with the AUG file. So Jim, if you can get back to us with a little bit more information, like which feed are you subscribing to? And then is antenna pod the only a podcasting software that you've been using? And is there any pattern to this? And for our going Linux minions, how, do you use AntennaPod? And are you seeing similar problems? And if so, how have you overcome them? If you have, maybe you've overcome them by using a different podcast application. Uh, let us know. Thanks. Greg wrote about episode 327. Larry and Bill just listened to episode 327 about how to do things in Linux that you can do in Windows. Bill's comments about never pressing the power button brought a smile. I have noticed that Ubuntu Server, and Mythbuntu at least, will do a clean shutdown if you poke the power button as you, Larry, noted. I wouldn't go as far as to say all Linux distributions will do this. I agree with that, Greg. Anyway, to the subject. Linux is so stable that I seldom use this, but if you ever find your system locked up and Control-Alt-Backspace doesn't help, there's one last-ditch command when all else fails to cleanly shut down your system. If you do this from the command line, the system will report what it is doing in the process, but it still works from the GUI, from the graphical user interface. You just don't get any feedback. This will test your manual dexterity because while you hold down the left alt and the system request keys, press in sequence the first letters of the phrase reboot system even if utterly broken. R-S-E-I-U-B. I found this right up several years ago. And from my notes, R switches to raw mode, S syncs the disk, E terminates all processes, I kills all processes, U unmounts all file systems, B reboots the computer. One more tool for the bag of tricks. 7-3, Greg, W-8-F-J-K. Thanks, Greg. And I learned the sequence in a slightly different order. It is... R-E-I-S-U-B. So the S comes 
after the eye in the sequence. And the way I remember that is it is the word busier spelled backwards, and it seems to work. So that's syncing the disk a little later in the sequence. Hopefully that doesn't seem to cause any problems. Just looking at the sequence and what each of those letters commands the system to do, it makes a little bit more sense to do it in the order that you suggest, syncing the disk before terminating processes and killing processes. But apparently it's uh, not a big deal. And thanks, Greg. Norm wrote to tell us he loves the show. Hello, everyone. I've recently looked for Linux podcasts to listen to on my hour commute to and from work. I found yours, and it's just wonderful. I am able to keep up with the Linux world at the same time, get where I'm going. So, thank you for your show and all you do. I've been dabbling in Linux since the mid-90s. I am by no means an expert, but at the same time, I think that no one is really an expert. It's just the depth in which they delve. Some people are deeper than others. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Now, the reason for my email. Perhaps your listeners would like to create a mail server, either for personal use or whatever reason. I'd like to recommend Mail in a Box. And he provides a link that we'll have in the show notes. Now, if you're trying to use WordPress or some other CMS, it's probably not for you. But if you just need a LAMP, that's a Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP, or sometimes Perl or Python, that handles multiple email domains with automated SSL certs for free, it's a great solution. It also verifies you're on the latest version checks to make sure your software is up to date, monitors the disk space and memory and handles DNS records, and has an automated self-backup program to the local machine via rsync and an on-site repository or Amazon Web Services. The built-in web server handles webmail as well as a regular old website and installs the SSL cert using Let's Encrypt Authority and automates the update process so you don't have to worry about it. The install procedure is incredibly easy on Ubuntu. Literally, the install and update procedure is the same. From a fresh Ubuntu server, type curl space dash s space https colon slash slash mailinabox.email slash setup dot sh and then pipe that into sudo space bash. You'll be asked to enter the email you want and a few other config questions. Just thought you'd be interested. Thanks for all the hard work you do. It does not go unnoticed. Keep up the good work, Norm. Well, thanks, Norm. That's a great way to take a computer and make it into a web server and a mail server as well. And bonus, it gives you the SSL certs, uh, which right now my website is missing because I don't host the site myself. I use a hosting company that charges through the nose for SSL certs. And until I'm forced to pay for that, I'm going to continue to use just plain HTTP. 
Si Mohammed has an idea for another awesome episode. Hi, can you dissect apt-get for the next episode? Even more, there is apt, apt-get, aptitude, synaptic, and dpkg. How to avoid messy, obsolete, or local deb packages, and more. Well, Si Mohammed, that is probably... Uh, the makings of a good episode. Um, there's a lot of information to cover there. Would get very geeky. Um, I'll talk it over with Bill and see where we go with that one. Emilio commented on our screencast number eight on YouTube about VeraCrypt. In Windows, you can extract instead of install and run from the folder. This allows you to take the program with you on USB next to encrypted folders. Can the same be done with Linux? I'm having trouble. Hmm. I think those portable USB programs, like is offered with VeraCrypt, are designed specifically for Windows. Uh, and as a result, they are Windows executables as opposed to Linux executables. Some portable applications have been designed to run with Linux. I don't know about VeraCrypt. I have to do some research and see if there's a, maybe an episode in that as well, portable applications for, for Linux as opposed to portable applications for Windows. And for those of you not familiar with portable applications, basically they are self-contained applications that you can carry around on a USB stick because they are designed to be minimal functions of the various programs. And in some cases, they can fit the entire program into a very small space. And they run from the USB stick, so they're self-contained with snap packages, app images, and flat packs, and those kinds of new package management systems for Linux applications and actually cross-platform applications that provide self-contained apps, they might be just the ticket for doing this. So I'll dig into that a little bit further and see if anybody has taken it that far. Thanks for the suggestion, Emilio. And if any of our Going Linux Minions has any ideas on this or any experience with using portable applications that run from a USB stick but are executable in Linux, let me know and I'll add them to our list of possible tools for those of us who help others with computers or just want to carry around applications we use infrequently on a USB stick for use when we're traveling. Our last email is from Jack, who wrote a gone Linux story about making the switch. Hi, Larry and Bill. I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now, and it's been key in convincing me to try to make the switch from Windows 10 to Linux. I've always had a general interest. I've played around with Raspberry Pis, a Debian-based NAS device, and various media center distros on old desktops around the home, etc. I also created a dual boot setup on my Windows laptop, first with Mint, then Elementary OS, and more recently, Ubuntu Mate. However, the thing that prevented me from booting to the Linux partition full-time was the ability to reliably use my laptop to connect to my employer's network 
remotely using Citrix Receiver. Although a Linux version of this software exists, my employer's IT department only advertised support for Windows and Mac on their help pages. I could always get a basic remote desktop connection, but the pass-through of USB devices, such as a headset, just would not work for me. This meant I was ultimately still reliant on Windows day-to-day. Then, recently, I had a breakthrough. I realized that even for Windows, my employer only supports an outdated version of a Citrix plugin, HDX Real-Time Media Engine for Microsoft Skype for Business, whereas previously I was always opting to install the latest available deb file on whatever Linux distro I was using. After downgrading the plugin, the connection and pass-through now work perfectly. As the performance of my laptop is noticeably quicker on Ubuntu, after some additional testing, I'm hoping I'll now be able to make the switch more permanent and get to know Linux better. I've already found alternatives for virtually all of the main open-source software I use on Windows, so I see no reason not to move fully to Mate. Thanks for the time you spend putting the podcast together. Kind regards, Jack in London, UK. Jack, thank you for that story of going Linux. And very interesting. Um, The lesson learned there is check the version compatibility of software, especially if you're using that software to connect two computers together. And in your case, the issue here was uh, conferencing and remote control software. It appears that the Skype issue was the one that was uh, holding you up. So, yeah, very important, these versions of plugins or versions of, in my case, uh, EasyTag, as, as I stated earlier. Okay, that will wrap our episode for today. Until next time. Go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. If you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast, Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.